the Bible Study Podcast, episode 95. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Hebrews with Hebrews 7. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Today we continue on with Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7 talks more about Jesus in his role as king and priest, and again more about this fellow Melchizedek, who we've talked about in a couple of the previous episodes. And the chapter goes like this. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So the author at this point takes this person Melchizedek from the book of Genesis and makes this analogy to Christ that we've hinted at in previous episodes. He says, like Jesus, this person is identified as the king of righteousness and king of peace. Like Jesus, we don't hear about who his mother and father are. And so, like Jesus, we also don't hear about who becomes priest after him. And so, he takes a little bit of liberty with that and assumes that the person was priest forever. But he's making an analogy here to tell us something about Jesus in this whole chapter. We're learning something about Jesus. And so, we're seeing... Melchizedek as king of righteousness and king of Salem because he's trying to tell us that Jesus is the king of righteousness and the king of peace. Because Jesus is priest forever in that role that draws people, that closes the gap between people and God. And he continues, Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi, who become priests, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descendants from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham because when Melchizedek made Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Okay, this is getting a little deep here. But the goal of this paragraph, or the goal of this section here, is to say that in some ways, Abraham is, and Abraham is the person who God has made the promises with, who God has made the covenant with, who God called first, really, to start his people. And this is a letter to the Hebrews, so this is a letter to his people. This is a paragraph that says, Abraham was not as great as Melchizedek if Abraham asks a blessing from Melchizedek. That the greater blesses the lesser. And because Levi was, in effect, still in Abraham because he is not yet born, and all of the potential for who will become Levi, who will become the head of all the priests, is still in Abraham. He is saying, therefore, the Levitical priesthood, all of the priests that came from Levi, are less than this 
priest who comes out of nowhere, this king of righteousness, this king of peace, this king forever, this priest forever, Melchizedek. Now, he's doing this again because the, the analogy he's trying to draw here is that Jesus is greater than Abraham. And the chapter goes on. If perfection could have been obtained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become priest not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared... You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And here the author is again quoting from Psalm 110. And again, think of the context here. This author is writing to the people who are Hebrews, potentially people who are and are not Christian. And he is making an argument here, trying to get them to take what they understand in the Old Testament. They understand the Levitical priesthood that starts with Aaron, the brother of Moses, who becomes the first priest in the house of Levi, descendant of one of the twelve tribes. And he says, if there's a change in that rule, there's a change in the law. So Aaron wasn't the first descendant of Levi. He was descended by a number of generations. There were thousands, tens of thousands of generations, or tens of thousands of descendants of Levi before Aaron. But there's a change in the law at the time of Aaron. This is the time of the Exodus. Moses gets goes up to the mountain, gets the tablets, comes down and says, Aaron's going to be priest. This is what God told me. And because there is a change in the law, there's a change in the priesthood. And so he's saying, Jesus, who is not a descendant of Levi, we understand him to be a descendant of Judah, a different line going up there to Abraham, that there has to be a change in the law at the same time. And he is using this Melchizedek to help them bridge the gap with how can we think of Jesus as a priest if he is not of the lineage of Levi? And he's, so that's why so much attention has been paid to this very obscure character and to these verses here in Psalm 110 that say you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He's trying to use Melchizedek to help them bridge the gap to think about Jesus, this Judaite, as priest. And he goes on, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath. He became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. And this quote here he's talking about, this oath is also from Psalm 110. And so... The author is saying that 
there is something better than the law. Okay, so Jesus is greater than Abraham. He's also greater than Moses. He's also greater than the law. There's a change to the law. And this is part of what point is being built up to here is that something changed because the law, those series of rules that we needed to follow to gain access to God, we weren't able to follow them. They were incomplete. They were imperfect in the sense that they couldn't get us out of the position. They couldn't get us out of the problem we were in. They couldn't get us out of sin. And so he's building up to this here that the law is going to be set aside with something better, some new covenant that is sworn to Jesus, that is sworn to this priest forever. Continuing, now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who have come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Remember that the role of a priest, as we were saying, is intercession, to stand between the people and God and to draw them closer. And he's saying here that the priesthood, one of the reasons why the priesthood was ineffective, incomplete, was the priests always died. The priests were just people. And Jesus, who is not dying... Jesus, who is living forever, can fulfill that role better than anyone else ever has. And then the last thought here, the last paragraph, such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. And so this is really where the author has been trying to get to here is that Jesus is what the law and the priesthood pointed to. They were a foreshadowing of this perfect priest who wouldn't need to continue to offer sacrifices because he was himself imperfect. But Jesus is that perfect once-for-all sacrifice. This is why, as we switch from Judaism to Christianity, we stop the sacrificial system. Christians don't sacrifice lambs or pigeons or doves. Because the sacrifices in the Old Testament, our understanding is, as we read here in Hebrews, were a foreshadowing. They were a path that led to this ultimate sacrifice that is done. They were a path that led to this ultimate priesthood, who is Jesus. And with that, we'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close, so you won't have to listen to my cold-influenced voice much longer. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on thebiblestudypodcast.com. As always, thanks so much for listening. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.